An alert is a signal of problematic application behavior. When something unusual happens to your application, an alert can bring that anomaly to your attention. In order to detect unusual events, you need to define the norm so that you can then define anomalies. In order to define both that normal and problematic behavior, you need metrics. Metrics are measurements of the behavior within your application. Metrics get created from logs and other data. These high volumes of data get aggregated and collected into easily digestible metrics. This aggregation process that reduces that data to metrics is often called a metrics pipeline. Clement Pang is the chief architect of Wavefront, a company that builds metrics and alerting software for enterprises such as Box and Lyft. Clement joins the show to discuss how these large enterprises use alerting and metrics and how to build a company around metrics and alerting, since he built a company around metrics and alerting, which is called Wavefront. And this also includes the data engineering that was involved in constructing the metrics pipeline for Wavefront and how other companies build their metrics pipelines. We've done so many shows about monitoring and DevOps and data engineering. You can download the Software Engineering Daily app for iOS to get all those old episodes. You can easily find them by searching within the app for topics that interest you and you can find new topics and new episodes that might interest you as well based on your listening history and the recommendation system that we have built. You can upvote the episodes you like. You can get recommendations based on which episodes you listen all the way through to so we can get smarter about which episodes might appeal to you. And if you want to contribute to the Software Engineering Daily open source ecosystem, you can go to github.com slash softwareengineeringdaily. The iOS app is just the first project to come out of the Software Engineering Daily open source project. There's several others. We've got an Android app that's on the way. It's in testing right now. It'll be out soon. We've got, of course, the iOS app if you're a Swift developer or Objective-C. We've got a recommendation system and a web front end. So we're working on different projects at all areas of the stack, and anybody who wants to contribute is welcome. You can join our Slack channel. You can go to github.com slash softwareengineeringdaily, or you can always send me an email with any kind of feedback, suggestions for the apps, or if you're curious about how to get involved. So uh, I look forward to hearing from you, Jeff, at softwareengineeringdaily.com. And let's get on with this episode. Clement Pang is the chief architect and co-founder of Wavefront. Clement, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, it's great to have you. And today we're going to talk about metrics and alerting. All righty. You, you work at an enterprise analytics company that you helped start, and mm-hmm. metrics translates into business value in a lot of ways. That's let's, right. Let's start by talking about one of the ways that metrics translates into business value, which is alerting. How do large companies think about the process of alerting? Sure. So I think when we started Wavefront, we had the idea that enterprise monitoring should be based on metrics. And there are a lot of choices there. You could be old school way is um, kind of just checking it to see if the machine is up or down, kind of just pinging to see whether it's there or not. You could be looking at logs, syslog, or just seeing what what, what outputs uh, various systems are are emitting. 
And then there's metrics, which is just timestamped measurements of whatever is going on in your system. It could be infrastructure, it could be CPU, it could be RAM, how much disk space you have left, how much traffic is going in and out of your network. But by and large, the most interesting metrics are business metrics, like how many transactions are being processed, how much you know dollar is 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 going through the system, how long is it taking for orders to be fulfilled, and and, and whatnot. So those are kind of the KPIs that uh, I think modern digital enterprises, as we call them, are 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 very interested in, and we find that our especially our customers today, you know, they are many times you know SaaS companies or online businesses where uptime and customer experience are very important to them. And so they're using Wavefront as a platform to monitor those metrics and basically through alerting, um, making sure that you know, everything is, is all you know, hunky-dory when, when they are running their services and, or their platforms. What are some of the common alerting mistakes that people mm-hmm. can make, whether they're at a big company or a small company? Sure, sure. So when we when we set out, we looked at a lot of the existing alerting, and a lot of it is threshold-based. So you could be just saying, you know, is CPU over 80%? And then you realize, you know, when you did a code push, it became over 80%, but you thought, well, it was good because we're doing a code push and it gets hot for a little bit. And then so you tweak the alert and it becomes it becomes 85%. And then you 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 forgot like well but there are some cases where eighty percent is an issue right so th- these kind of very strict or rigid kind of alerting is not what uh, businesses should really be alerting on and that's why you know Wavefront as a metrics platform is not just you know what a traditional time series database would be we have our own language which allows you to basically craft mathematical expressions on uh, the data and transform it using either even synthetic data plus you know the existing time series data to do sensible alerting. So basically, for example, you could say, if I deployed code and you know the moving average or moving median of the CPU uh, changes significantly compared to you know, a day ago, a week ago, you know, then alert me. Or you could say, you know, oftentimes you're not running just one single machine. If you have, you know, oftentimes in a code deploy, you know, most of the, the servers get, get hot anyways. Or you could say in a, in a member, in, in, a, in a class of machines or a class of, uh, of services, you see a particular node being especially hot, and that variance tells you there's something interesting there. So alerting, I think the common mistake is that I'm trying to allude to is you're trying to capture not a threshold or, or just a, a, a first order behavior. You're trying to capture what's what's really behind it so that when you alert about it, you're actually alerting on a behavior that you want to be be informed about. Mm-hmm. Tell me if this is a accurate description of metrics. Mm-hmm. So this idea that you have a large influx of data and a metric represents a function that stands in the way of that data or or you can fork that data to the function and the function is giving off a higher level abstraction of that data stream and it's giving you this numerical representation of how that data stream is changing over time would would you say mm-hmm. that, that that functional abstraction on top of of incoming data that results right. in a number and you mm-hmm. see that number changing over time would you say that's an accurate description of a, what a metric is that that's right that's very correct because metric oftentimes are not the actual raw data because you're you're basically measuring the system so the measure the, the system itself could be changing every millisecond right 
but you could you could think of your function as you described as a box where it's observing what's going through in the system and generating some kind of metric out of it. The most common forms of metrics are, for example, like gauges, kind of like your speedometer on your car. So if I were to take the speed of your car every five seconds, you know, that's a metric, right? Even though that that speedometer could be just swinging uh, back and forth. Uh, you could also have a counter, which is very common in in these days, where you're tracking requests. You even could be tracking a latency with with a counter, and that you know through a first derivative, you could actually get the rate and you know get interesting things out of that. Or more often, uh, very recently, I should say, is we're also seeing histograms being uh, pretty widely deployed, which is basically it's observing every occurrence as it passes through the system but generating some kind of a summary of that data. So you could very easily compute, for example, the mean of whatever that's coming through a black box, but you could also have pretty uh, smart things to do about that stream of data that's flowing through by looking at how you could bin the data, right? If you have an algorithm that could decide how you could bin them into sensible buckets and count what is in all those buckets, and have some way for that bucket to be preserved, then you could do interesting things like just looking at you know, P95 on a single, uh, on, on the stream of data that's flowing through, but also combining multiple of these histograms into a summary so that you could actually get the full P95 or the real, I should say, the real P95 and the real P99 of data streams that's coming through multiple systems in your uh, deployment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we, as we, draw towards a discussion of how to use metrics and anomalies mm -hmm. and alerting. Let's set some context. It's sure. 2017. Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of change over the last several years about how developers and operations interact at a typical mm -hmm. enterprise, especially because there's been this rise of tooling. There's obviously infrastructure as code and then all of mm -hmm. this other really nice tooling that was built on top of that, really in a, in a compressed frame of time, three to three to four years or five years mm -hmm. uh, since the infrastructure as code uh, movement. So, what's the modern relationship? And I know it changes so fast, so that's why I want to get your take on it. Sure. What's the modern relationship between developers and operations at a typical enterprise? Right. So, I think uh, a lot of our customers, and, and again, I refer to them as digital enterprises they are oftentimes finding that their developers are the one that act, that's actually managing um, the, uh, the infrastructure itself. And so one of our customers is a big ride-sharing company in, in the city, and so there's probably only two. <laughs> and so they, they really wanted to have their developers be the one that, uh, that handles on call. And so they decided very early on that there would be no just a very clear segmentation of you know, developers and uh, operations folks. What it means is that when you write code, you're thinking of how you're going to monitor it. You're thinking of how it's going to run in production. And if there are issues in production, you're basically on the hook to, to deal with the issue. Now, I think that's kind of a, a kind of an extreme form, I would say, of, of DevOps. I think most places have developers and they have what we are now terming as, a, as DevOps, which is kind of an overloaded term. But it, it, it does signify that the, in, in the industry as a whole, the idea that developers do engineering and IT folks do operations is slowly beginning to blur. And so developers themselves wants to be kind of involved in the, the deployment of, of their of their code of their software, and operations want to have an opinion on how their the code is structured in an architectural sense, so that they know how to operate it best. And I think metrics is kind of in, in that juncture because developers want to know, you know, it, it's almost almost for uh, uh, it's kind of a, a very 
visceral thing when you actually see your code running in production, people clicking on it, and it actually you know working and giving you know uh, a good response or or the customers enjoying the piece of code that you wrote, right? So the the way that developers get that kind of feedback is through you know get some kind of metric, you know whether it, it could be logs, it could be you know just or maybe even a, a tweet on tw- on Twitter that says you know that this feature is awesome. But by and large, a lot of our customers, a lot of uh, developers that our customers uh, think. As long as they can instrument their code, you know, emit some sort of uh, useful metric, they could bring that metric into a system such as Wayfront or any open source kind of database or uh, time series database, so that they could actually see kind of what's really going on um, to their code in production. And oftentimes they make improvements as well as you actually see how the code behaves as you put counters, gauges, histograms to measure, you know, different parts of the the, the ecosystem. You know, where delays are coming in what are being called very frequently, you know, you, it actually guides you as you do optimizations and as you do, um, as you do tweaks to the system. Yeah. What's an anomaly? Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually a very good question because uh, our, our CTO at Wavefront, um, he actually uh, spends a lot of time thinking about it. So what I'm, what I'm trying to, uh, what I'm trying to explain here perhaps is uh, parroting kind of what he, uh, what, what a lot of the work he has done. Obviously, an anomaly is something that stands out from the crowd. Um, oftentimes, the, the picture that uh, that Dev uh, CTO uses is if you look at a picture and you see, you know, maybe a bunch of owls standing together, uh, the bird owls, and uh, and one of them is just uh, strangely taller than all of them. Like that is an anomaly, right? The human eye is very trained to see patterns, and so you could stare into an office and you could see someone. You know, wearing a different colored shirt, or you know, a, you know, it's a, I don't know, like it's just a. You could look into you could look into nature and you could see something that stands out. And I think that that's kind of the definition for uh, an anomaly. So, the computers themselves actually think of anomalies uh, very differently because computers are not very visual. So when they look at when you actually give a chart at least for the current iteration of Wavefront, it is not looking at the image of, of the graph and saying, well, that's, there's a dip, or there's a dip among a group of machines, and you know, that's, a, that's an issue. So the, the anomaly in, in, computers, in, in computers is oftentimes you know, a deviation from a mean, a standard deviation that's, that's, uh, that's off. It's because it's comparing to historical data that, that's lagged, and, and we notice a deviation. Uh, it could be that in, in Wavefront, we have whole winters where you could forecast into the future and basically doing triple exponential smoothing. And you're basically saying, you know, if I hide the most recent data points and I do my forecasting on that data, and then I look at my real data and I see a deviation from that. So all of that are kind of mathematical definitions uh, of anomaly. So there is a sense of um, you need to be able to map an anomaly in your business, which could be, you know, something just, you know, uh, for example, for a ride sharing company, you know, a, a some some kind of a case where in a particular zip code, people are not getting rides, you know, when they used to get rides, that's an anomaly. But how can you actually capture that anomaly? First of all, you, you've got to be measuring it, hopefully, with, with a metric. And then hopefully through you know, mathematical transformation comes up with a way such that computers, which understand numbers, can detect that that's an anomaly, that the, the anomaly itself is, is really capturing what you want and not just a bunch of noise. And then that becomes a useful alert for you to uh, be alerting. It's important to talk about anomalies because we work in a world where Computing is, in some perspective, 
non-deterministic. You're mm -hmm. building on top of infrastructure where you are making the the acknowledgement that this infrastructure is unreliable. That's the mm -hmm. whole insight of the Google infrastructure was that we're going to use cheap commodity nodes and we're going to expect mm -hmm. that these nodes are going to fail at any time. Mm -hmm. And this was popularized. And we build all these abstractions on top of this unreliable, this inherently unreliable Byzantine infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it, but you know, no matter how many abstractions we build, it's still a complex and, and it, to some degree, non-predictable, non-deterministic environment. And or we treat it as non-deterministic. There's determinism right. to it, but we treat it as non-deterministic because it's so there's so much of uh, variability. <laughs> and so there's different levels of the stack where we can talk about anomalies. You mm -hmm. articulated a higher level one where you're not getting rides in a certain zip code. You know that right. could occur for any number of reasons. It could occur for because there's a bug in the software, or it could occur because your CPU is is spiking because a machine has a noisy neighbor that's unrelated to your business, or you could, there could have been a network partition or some some problem could yeah, have happened. Yeah. So where should we be and, and when we talk about anomalies, I think mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about them in the sense that you have metrics that are being spat off on your business. So, like, you, you know, we, we, you've got these logs coming in and you build metrics on top of them. And then you want That's to right. define anomalies and you want to define a norm for mm -hmm. your system of metrics in right. order to be able to alert on those anomalies. Right. Where in the stack should we define anomalies? Well, I think it is almost everywhere that could be you could be defining anomalies, and as you said, uh, finding norms in, in, in the infrastructure itself. So it's very true that obviously uh, my background I, I used to uh, work at Google, and Google, as you said, popularized the idea that you know machines themselves using commodity hardware means they could fail, the network the network could fail, and you basically design systems that are fault tolerant, that are resistant to these kind of failures. And we are seeing that kind of uh, applied in some sense in, in AWS, where people are going to the cloud or any public cloud, I should say, where, you know, they could shut off your machine at, at any time. And there's not a lot of uh, insight as to how the network itself is performing. And by and large, we're also starting to use a lot of SaaS services. So I think it used to be that it's between buy versus build or buy versus build versus open source. It's basically now buy versus build versus open source versus SaaS, right? So you could basically use a service like Wavefront, you know, like SendGrid to send your mails, like uh, Algolia to do your searches. You know, all of these are, are kind of questions where it adds complexity to your system because you're dealing with a third party, which you access through an SDK over the public internet, right? So that's that it certainly increases the complexity there. And so when you think about anomalies, we often said, you know, we're gathering everything that moves. So everything that, that uh, you know, down all the way down to CPU metrics, uh, or even on AWS, for example, for Wavefront, you, could, you can pull metrics from AWS that they provide that tells you about how hot, from their perspective, your machine is, uh, not just from, you know, within the machine when you're just pulling the operating system. And they obviously have measurements on their storage tier on their network tier. And so you could actually get, get information about that. And once you have all that kind of information 
uh, gathered and, and processed in a single system like Wavefront, then you could actually then start to do correlations across the stack, right? The examples I use, again, is the high-level example. You know, you have a, an issue with rides dropping in a particular zip code. You know, can you actually trace it all the way down to, let's say, you know, a cluster of servers that, that's actually experiencing an issue, and then perhaps to a particular backend infrastructure that's having the problem, again, through uh, exploring metrics and going from there to looking at the service itself and then discovering, you know, is there a particular release? Does that release cause a particular issue that uh, in, a, in a component that perhaps uh, hopefully is also measured and, and we're monitoring? Or if it's an issue with the infrastructure itself, for example, a noisy neighbor, as you said, you know, you can measure CPU steel uh, at the VM level to see if there, there's a neighbor that, that that's there. Or looking at uh, you know AWS metrics to see you know is the disk packed itself and and seeing uh, if that's if that that might be the conclusion to that problem. So a lot of it is you know detecting the anomaly at the very high level because that those are business metrics. You don't you don't really care if disks are pegged, but nobody's being impacted. I think that's also kind of a an a reason why we come from the the top level KPI because the the underlying infrastructure is just so fluid and, and and so oftentimes noisy that you just don't want to be alerted every time when when there is an issue downstream. So when there is an issue on the top stream and that's where you're you're having your alerts, that that's when you want to wake up people because that's a very costly kind of context switch, right? You want to you page five people, they're asleep and, and they wake up and they're, you know, a little grungy and and uh, and they look at the metric and, and if it's just, you know, not impacting anyone, we don't think it's you know, it's not a monetary issue, it's not a customer experience issue, then, you know, why bother, right? So you come from the top level KPI, then you actually drill down, assuming that you have the metrics uh, in your infrastructure or at your uh, backend application level, then you can start to look at, you know, can we find a root cause? And if we can find that root cause, can we infer or deduce how to fix it? And then most importantly is after you, you actually try to address the issue, you know, is there an improvement in the root cause metric that you're, that you're seeing? And hopefully, if it does, you see an, an, an upstream effect that your customers or, or, or the, the top-level KPIs are improving, right? I've had some conversations with James mm -hmm. Turnbull, who writes about monitoring. And oh, right. one of the things that he defines is proactive monitoring versus reactive monitoring. Mm -hmm. Proactive mm -hmm. monitoring being you're looking at your dashboard and you're defining things in advance Sure. I think in the, in, the, in the context of this conversation, you would be defining anomalies in advance. You'd be you'd be saying, okay, if I'm defining, if I want to define high level uh, uh, metrics to alert on anomalies for mm -hmm. my ride sharing company, maybe I'm looking at my dashboard and I'm saying, okay, things are fine right now, but mm -hmm. if things got to this level, I would want to be alerted. Right. And then the the reactive model would be okay, we've got this dashboard, let's move on to the next piece of software we need to build. And then when there is a disaster, you, mm -hmm. you do a post-mortem and you say, okay, now let's set an alert that whenever we have this sure. disaster event, we're sure. going to be alerted in the future. Yeah. Do you have a perspective for proactive, because I think like, you know, you, it's easy to like insult people who have a reactive monitoring <laughs> strategy, but if mm -hmm. you're a ride-sharing company, you've got so much on your plate. It, you know, if you're doing proactive monitoring, that's taking time away from perhaps something else, some other band-aid that you would be putting on. So how do you right. think about proactive versus reactive monitoring? That's very true. For I think the the journey from metrics to alerting um, kind of in the middle involves, you know, dashboarding and charting and analytics and all and all of that. And I think 
customers who use Wavefront today, you know, not only do they ingest, you know, at, at very high velocity metrics into into our cloud, they are using us a lot of times for dashboarding, you know, go to a lot of customers' site, you know, because Wavefront is kind of that single pane of glass, they put that on, you know, monitors across their knocks and, and their developers or engineers and operations folks are basically using Wavefront almost, uh, we kind of said it's almost like Google because in, instead of just asking questions for, you know, maybe just against the public internet, you're asking questions against your infrastructure, against your code, against your user behavior to see what's really going on, right? So that's that's kind of the discovery phase. I think that that's not, so it, you could do that in peace times, right? Or you could wonder like how, uh, can we do some forecasting and see, are we going to run out of capacity? You know, if I want to look at, you know, my garbage collection in, in, in Java processes, you know, what, what is it really doing and what are kind of, you know, telltale signs that it, it's not going well or we need to tune our garbage collection. So you could do that all, all the time. And obviously building our dashboards on, on monitors so that people are aware kind of, you know, they look up and, and can see like, if I have a question, if I have an inkling that we just did a did a marketing campaign and I want to see traffic, is it actually having a negative impact on the system? They could just look up and, and that's that's kind of more, I would say, proactive than having than it having an issue. And uh, the ability for a lot of our customers to basically define uh, for any service kind of a baseline uh, number of dashboards and alerts is quite useful, which means, you know, developers, when they deploy a new service, operations folks or DevOps folks basically say, okay, what kind of service is this? And if it actually responds to requests or if it is kind of a batch service or if it's, uh, you know, just deploying infrastructure, you know, don't really know what, what we're doing with it yet, you know, they they would then say, okay, now we need to instrument it. We need to put the right agents on it. We need to, if they're already emitting metrics, most companies have a policy where, you know, that there's a data lake that's like Kafka, where all the metrics would, would go there um, to begin with. So any new service, you know, the metrics would, would be there. And, uh, and having that metric being in Wavefront means, you know, there are pre-canned dashboards and, uh, and pre-canned alerts so which you know hopefully is battle tested over the years so that when people launch their service a they're not flying blind they have instrument panels if you will that they could look at their service and if there are particular kpis they want to to add obviously they could customize their dashboard they could clone it and they could you know make it interesting for for their own service and also to have a baseline set of alerts to basically alert them if there's uh, anomalies in, in their in their system yeah you hinted at part of the metrics pipeline when you, mm-hmm. when you referred to Kafka and people mm-hmm. piping their log data into Kafka for consumption by various subscribers. That's right. I, I would like to hear your perspective on what a modern metrics pipeline consists of, because at a large enterprise, you've got a variety of different engineering teams You've got uh, those engineering teams are piping their log data maybe into different places. Maybe if you're lucky, mm-hmm. there's some centralized, standardized sure, sure. thing that you're piping the log data into. And then if you are if you want to get it into a metrics system like a wavefront, you might have to do something like you copy the data or maybe you just read it once and you abstract it into metrics and you store the metrics. So tell me about the log data and metrics pipeline at a typical high volume enterprise. Sure, sure. So I, so one thing that you mentioned quite often is, is put the piping logs uh, into Kafka. Obviously, some of our customers do do that, but I think the the vast majority of them understands that you could actually treat metrics as a first class citizen when it comes to uh, monitoring. So you do not actually have to always rely on developers basically uh, doing printfs 
in their code to, to emit metrics. So that's a that's a kind of what 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 we term as the most advanced uh, embracing or adoption of metrics is where developers themselves they realize that there is an infrastructure that's provided to, in the enterprise itself that allows them to instrument their code directly using things uh, using on the Java side, for example, Yammer metrics or Job Wizard metrics where you're basically defining counters, gauges, and histograms directly in your code. And through you know, either auto discovery or auto configuration, that those um, counters, gauges, and histograms are directly sucked into some kind of a, of a system such as a data lake, such as uh, Kafka. And then that uh, metric itself is treated as a single uh, unit, if you will, and, and, and flows down that data lake into different subscribers, including Wavefront. Now, why is that important or why, why is it different from logs? Um, from my perspective, when I, when I was actually at Google, and I, I was at Google you know, straight out of college, and uh, so Google has this massive and, and super intelligent uh, cluster management system called Borg. And it was basically what you said was the, the using commodity hardware. There is no concept of, of even placement. You're just basically asking the system to run this job for you and it just runs it regardless of where it is. Uh, and it will restart it you know, as long as the, the mach there's machines that it could, it could run it on. Right? And the, the interesting part was that Google very early on uh, uh, embraced metrics. And so everything was just these measurements, these sampling of what's going on in their infrastructure and their code. And they have their own kind of centralized time series database, which was called Borgmon at that time. And what they did, uh, interestingly to logs, is because logs is such a verbose medium, which allows anyone to emit virtually anything, which may not be metrics. It could, you know, be an exceptions for, for example, a Java exception is not a metric. It's, it's a very, you know, high fidelity information about a single event, right? And so in that sense, they, they decided like, we're just gonna drop all the logs, probably also because, you know, of, of PII compliance and all that kind of issues, which modern enterprises have to deal with. And so if they are using logs, they, they are basically allowing anyone or even a third party library to suddenly write something onto uh, their log stream, which could be something that they do not want to be logged because it's either not a metric, it's not interesting, or it could be super verbose and you have to then start to tweak loggers to make sure like they're just logging stuff that you want, right? So a lot of our, our, our as I said earlier, the, the, the companies that really adopted metrics, what they've done is Imagine you have printf, which is printing your log statements. You have basically a different system, um, whether whether you're in Go, whether you're in Ruby, whether you're in Java, which are specifically geared for metrics and, and, and having developers embrace those libraries and then having a system to take that metric out, ship it to a data lake, and then have some kind of system that is consuming it on, on the tail end. Now, it, obviously not every uh, uh, place or shop can, can afford perhaps to retrofit existing systems, or they're using public libraries or third-party software, or just you know, you're using Nginx, for example, which has metrics, but you know, there, it also has a whole bunch of logs that are coming out from where you, you tell it to log to. There are multiple systems out there that, that we support, and also open source systems like Telegraph, an agent uh, system that that could take textual log information and convert that to metric, which is, I think, what you were uh, alluding to before. But I think if you're looking in, looking ahead, you're looking to the to the future of digital enterprises. I think having traditional log systems like Splunk or uh, or cloud-based solution like Sumo Logic, and also there's a whole host of SaaS solution these days for for logging. You know, they they have their place, uh, we believe. But metrics is is fast becoming 
a new currency in monitoring and enterprises are finding that they need to have a system, a centralized system and a managed uh, system where all metrics from various tiers of their infrastructure come into a, a single place. You're saying, if I understood you correctly, mm-hmm. that you might want to, on the same node where your service is running, you've got logs spinning off, and regardless of where those logs are getting piped, you have metrics generation running over those logs on the same node, and those mm-hmm. metrics are going somewhere. Is that right? That's right. So I think there, there is a conversion from logs to metric, but there's also this concept where the application itself is actually emitting metrics. So I guess what I'm saying is maybe from your perspective, that, that could also look like textual information, right? That, that could be, but uh, meaning, meaning it could be just spitting, uh, spitting up metrics into a text file, and then we harvest that text file, and that, looks, uh, that, that would be one way to harvest metrics. But another way to do that would be to do, go over the network as a protocol, right? A binary protocol that you know, every um, service would connect to that are sending metrics in a very uh, efficient manner and piping that to a, a single system. So it doesn't even touch the file system, if you will. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, so that's so that's interesting because that gets us towards a conversation of the system-level metrics. Because if I'm talking mm-hmm. about just logging, getting all my log data and generating metrics about the, uh, the, the, the service that I'm running, and, you know, that's that's interesting... But what I what I really want is in some situations is system level uh, logs where if I have let's say I have a service and I've got ten instances of that service, mm-hmm. I want to know the aggregate metrics for uh, maybe across all the instances of that service. And you're saying that there might be maybe you want to just send all those metrics instantly over the wire without writing to the file system right. uh, to some centralized maybe metrics node mm-hmm. a metrics node that is a, that aggregates metrics for mm-hmm. all the instances of a given service am i describing things correctly that, that's correct so i think that that's one uh that's one model that that was popularized by i think it's at the that the stats d model where you can imagine agents running on all your machines and they're measuring CPU and they're basically sending it directly to the on the wire uh, through sorry over the, the network to an aggregation node and then having that perform you know whatever predefined aggregations uh, that that you want to do. I think for a majority of places, the reason why they do that is because you do not have a system or a time series database that allows you to scale so that you could actually do real-time aggregation of that data. So one of the interesting things uh, of what you can do uh, with Wayfront specifically is you could be gathering all that metrics, you know, not touching the file system, sending those metrics across the wire to the metrics relay or the, the metrics proxy, as we call it, and then have it sent to our cloud. And that materialization occurs on average about two seconds. So you, when you measure, when you sample something, you get that data in the cloud, you can see it in a chart uh, within two seconds. And you could also then do interesting aggregations on top of the data. So if you have, you know, you know, five machines all the way if you to if you have fifty thousand machines, you want to say like sum all the requests rate for me, and instead of having to well either either troll log somehow and 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 do that across fifty thousand machines, or you could do that on a metrics platform and just say basically pull that particular metric for that fifty thousand machines and then do the mathematical collapsing of that and have that appear instantly on your screen. So that's kind of the the power of 
you know, just measurement, measuring interesting things, having that be sent off on a data lake or through the network and to the cloud very quickly, and then having a real-time engine that can process time series data and having that present interesting information to the end user, whether it's engineers or operations. We've talked about how to build metric systems and how companies want to use metrics. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, how do you build a metrics company? What are some non-obvious rules for building a metrics system like Wavefront? Uh, so I think one of the, so I think this is about kind of the challenges uh, or, the, or the, the, the journey of, of Wavefront. So I think we started Wavefront about four and a half years ago. And I think that actually was a response to kind of when the, when I left Google and started uh, my first company. And um, I was curious about just how to do monitoring or right? how, how do companies outside of Google do metrics. And at that point, you know, it was, you know, Nagio, Zaichinga, and then everything else was doing logs. So you need a centralized logging system. And so you need to make sure your log statements look like a particular format so that you could grab them uh, at the end of the, of, the, of the pipeline. And then you're building these dashboards and they, they were slow and they were cumbersome. And then at that point, we realized like, okay, so, you know, having a metric system or metric platform is valuable, you know, not just to companies like Google, because we're just starting a, a company as a startup with, you know, just a handful of servers. We want to know, you know, all the all the things that we could measure, and we need a system that allows us to store those measurements and do interesting things with it. And that was kind of the origins of, of Wavefront. And uh, I think there are certainly a lot of uh, non-obvious things and not a lot of challenges that, that we have to face uh, along the way. But certainly ingestion velocity is one of those things, you know, our, our system internally, you know, we benchmark it to have a single cluster taking 4 million points per second. And if you just think about it for a second, like we have to be able to, if you're writing to disk or you're writing to a database uh, for that matter, if you're writing 4 million rows per second, that's, that's a non-trivial amount of work that you have to do. And for us, we have to figure out how to, how to do that because metrics is, you know, you're measuring so many things and you want to have all those measurements available when you need them. Usually, you know, when doing a kind of root cause analysis or when there's actually something wrong going on, you want to be able to look at those metrics. And so you want to be gathering them. You want to you know, have a system that scales that can take all of that data. So the initial, a lot of the work was to make sure that we have the ability to ingest at a very high velocity and that we wouldn't have an artificial ceiling. And so meaning we have to have distributed systems, we have to distribute storage, we have to have the ab ability to have high availability so that when we actually do work on, uh, do maintenance work or just upgrade work on, on our system that, you know, the system is up from the customer's perspective uh, against, for example, a, a share nothing kind of mirror so that uh, we could do work on the, on the other side. And so we, paid a lot of attention to to making sure that uh, we could take that fire hose um, that you will. I think one of the interesting things that that we learned is we very early on decided that the the relay or the proxy will buffer locally to disk. And so when we built the service, unlike a traditional service where, you know, if maybe just to use an example, maybe if Amazon goes down for like an hour, you know, people will complain, people will not be able to place orders. But if it comes back an hour later, you know, not everyone who who was going to attempt to buy something within that hour when it was down will, you know, suddenly all log into Amazon at once 
and try to you know place that order that 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 they were going to place within that one hour window right there there's likely going to be a surge in traffic but you know not exactly where you know an entire hour's worth of orders is compressed into that one minute what we do see with Wavefront is exactly that behavior because we always kind of say there's a, a dam, there's a reservoir of metrics that's now on, you know, that's queued up on either on the customer's end if we have an issue. If they have a networking issue, if they have a deployment issue, we we are also, you know, conjecturing in our head that there's a a dam of metrics that's that's being queued up on their side. And our system needs to be able to handle that surge, right? It it just will not. The system will not uh, will not return to normal until that entire. Let's say the the outage was for an hour, until that entire hour's worth of metrics is dequeued onto our Wayfront cloud. And so, if you're designing your system, you got to be designing for that kind of worst case scenario, so that you know because people want their metrics and people want to be able to you know go backfill kind of historical metrics that might be missing. Um, due to whatever issue that they had with the proxy or with their uh, with their connection, so I think on the ingestion side, that that was a there was a lot of lessons that that we've learned to um, come to where we are today. And then on the on the querying side is also interesting because we we work with um, Snowflake, which is a which is a public data or cloud data warehouse company. And so they they are certainly uh, no strangers to query optimization and, and all of that, and they use Wavefront as a monitoring tool. And at some point, you know, we told them, like, you know, the, 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 our, our platform is now becoming a, a query engine because people are posing ever more complex queries against us. So we now, as Wavefront, also have a query optimization problem, um, not exactly because we have SQL queries, but we have our time series queries that are coming to to our engine and we're parsing them. And you could, you could do very simple, naive ideas about how you could execute the query, but more and more often, you know, we're doing multi-pass kind of query optimization. We're having, you know, dynamic programming planners who actually look at, you know, how best to execute that query. And I think that part uh, itself is oftentimes lost on people who think, you know, I just need a time series database, kind of almost like I just need a, I just need a MySQL instance where, you know, I, I can only issue very simple SQL statements against it. The issue of, of having a metrics platform is not just to be able to take that data, but to actually be able to ask interesting question against it and be able to get meaningful answers very quickly, right? So we, we put ourselves to a bar where we said, we want queries on average to return under 100 millisecond, right? So an, a blink of an eye is about 400 milliseconds. So you want we want our queries to be coming back under you know 100 milliseconds, so shorter than a blink of an eye, so that when people are dealing with metrics, they could get answers very quickly. So very quickly, that problem then becomes, you know, how can we, you know, capture the intent of the query? Because oftentimes the query contains a whole bunch of operations on it, whether it's, you know, moving windows, statistical operations, you know, missing data functions, doing uh, lags and leads on the, on the data. And we have to figure out, you know, what is the best way to execute that query against all the different tiers of data stores that we have and combining that data and then streaming it and having it all appear on the user's browsers as quickly as 100 milliseconds. And so that, that in and of itself, it is a, a pretty significant challenge. And it's oftentimes, as I said before, uh, not something that people realize that they have to look at or, or they have to consider when they're picking a metric solution. I was talking to somebody about dashboarding, and one thing that they said was when 
sometimes if you're if you're building a dashboarding product th- there can be a problem if you're reading from for example a data warehousing solution like a a redshift mm-hmm. if you're if your if dashboard is reading from redshift and your redshift performance is problematic then the sometimes the user is going to blame the dashboarding tool when it's actually an upstream problem right is that ever a, a, an issue with when you were building Wavefront, where you had you know customers who had uh, upstream issues, and then they would end up blaming Wavefront, uh, or is there and, and if that's right, a problem, right. is there a way to get out ahead of that? And perhaps uh, you know, if you're integrated with a certain piece of technology, say, hey, we're having lag from this data pipeline or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So interestingly, being a metrics company, we could have metrics even on the metrics themselves. So one of the things that that we oftentimes measure at all of our proxies is kind of the the delay or the difference between the timestamps that we're seeing and the wall clock. So we could actually detect, you know, for a customer, you know, they're saying, okay, why did this alert not fire? You know, why is my chart not looking correctly, usually on the right edge, because that's the bleeding edge of of data. And oftentimes we could then go into our metrics of their metrics to actually take a look and see, okay, well, we we see that for those data center, you know, there is some lag that that we are observing. That's that's not normal. That's an anomaly essentially compared to what we were seeing before. So that that's one way to look at that. We oftentimes it's it's very difficult for us to just basically timestamp every data point because that's you know if we're measuring a a, a double and and, and storing timestamp as a long. And all, and then adding one more timestamp, which is again a, another 64-bit uh, number, to basically say when we got that number, you know that that you could see that that uh, that explosion in, in in traffic. But oftentimes we we kind of almost wanted to have that behavior, which is we could we could store when we when we see that data. But I would say oftentimes we could basically infer from higher order metrics that there is an issue in the pipeline. There is a, some change in behavior that actually caused that upstream system to change. I think for actually our, a lot of our customers actually they, they very oftentimes will blame us because we're both the dashboarding tool and the back end, right? So we're both the storage query engine and all of that. Plus we also build the front end. But oftentimes we actually what we actually find kind of kind of uh, strangely is that sometimes it's actually the user's browsers because we are shipping so much information to users' uh, browsers that if they if they have some kind of a plugin that in, that is installed on Chrome that's inspecting like every input box or every DOM element to do some kind of interesting thing, uh, I'm not going to blame stuff, but like password managers sometimes fall into that category, that, that when they are doing that, that they actually slow down the, the front end significantly enough that they think there is an issue with the back end, but very oftentimes actually nowadays when we actually when people report that their browser is slowing down that they would that we would actually say can you give us a dump of all your plugins so that we could actually take a look and see maybe that's actually or run it incognito or something like that and or try a different browser and 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 whatnot and we oftentimes because we do so much rendering on the client side that we run into basically bugs in 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 the open source browsers that we have to report or basically tell the user like hey we know that that this is an issue this is the Let's say the Chromium bug that that you can use to track this, and and that's a so that's a that's a different different angle to the whole spectrum, right? We now have such complicated client side technologies, all the way to back end technologies that you know anything in that chain could be a, an answer to to why the system is slowing down. Yeah, but having metrics obviously help us uh, narrow down what's going on. Our time is short here. I, I want to wrap up by asking you what's in the future for metrics and anomaly detection? 
Right, right. So obviously, we have been looking and investing heavily on uh, doing things like automatic anomaly, anomaly detection, forecasting, and even automated alerts, and maybe ultimately uh, self-healing systems as well. I think as a metrics company, we have actually never deleted anyone's data, um, even though at, on contract, we probably have retention time that requires it to be at least a, a year or a half or so. But, you know, we, we basically discovered in our, in our system that we actually do not need to delete data because storage of, of, uh, of, of gigabytes or terabytes of data is so cheap these days. It's a computation. It's the, it's the computational logic to sort data and all of that, that that's expensive. So having all of that data being available and, and, and because we are so fortunate to, to have worked with so many companies through the years with alerts, we actually have labeled data sets of, you know, time series and kind of time spans where uh, customers themselves have think that they are not malicious, right? So we've looked heavily in, in recent years that can we actually look at that data and just basically say, you know, by applying learning algorithms on that, on, on the, on the, on the label data that we could say, a new customers when they are onboarded without them actually putting any alerts into the system we could actually detect issues in in, in their in their input data as our again our, our, our cto dev he's really the, the forward uh, thinking person as to seeing like how the industry itself would, would progress you know he oftentimes said you know can we actually then have you know chaos monkey plus plus where you know an ai is actively trying to break the system and a system which uh, includes Wavefront is actively trying to defend against it and 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 defend you know infrastructure outages, defend against uh, even outside attackers, defend against code bugs and, and, and whatnot, and have the system be able to infer you know at least to alert on 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 systems on issues without the user. It's kind of as you said before, like doing reactive kind of monitoring. And then ultimately having the having the uh, machine learning be able to generate solutions. I think always the joke that we kind of said is you know maybe 90% of all outages are because system runs out of disk space. That's probably you know over generalization is probably a joke. But you know there's also a, a you know a, we need machine a, a, learning for it. <laughs> yes, and it's also often the joke that you know your RMRF temp or something that you know removes stuff or var log because it's probably filling up disk or something. So there's always something that people do anyways, like when they're when they react to certain kinds of uh, of situations or you know restarting nodes on Amazon is kind of a, a pretty common thing that people do, which we do track. We have all those events in the in in Wavefront if you if you decide to uh, send that to us. So we could actually infer that for these particular metrics that are coming in, we know that it's anomalous. We know that in the past, a human goes in and restart those machines. And so we could actually then say, well, look, imagine that you get paged instead of saying that there is a, a problem. You actually get paged and said there is an 80 percent chance that this could be fixed if we just restart the if we just restart these set of machines, do you want to proceed? And you said yes, and then maybe the alert clears. And if the system is confident enough, then maybe perhaps if it detects that you know 90% of the time doing this fixes the issue, then it's just gonna do it on its own as kind of a first line of defense and then basically page people only when it's necessary. So that's kind of the, the things that we're thinking about at, at Wavefront when it comes to the, the future of metrics and just automated alerting and, automated, and automatic uh, remediation. Sounds very promising. Well, Clement, thanks for coming on Software Engineering Daily. It's been great talking to you. I think this was a really good conversation, a lot of dense material. So thank you. Thanks for your time. Yep. Thanks a lot.